Hello and welcome to this all new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And, most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here, bringing you our 2021 year-end review. Podcast episodes featured a wide array of extremely interesting people who write wonderful poetry and are involved in creative projects that we have greatly enjoyed letting you listeners know about. We're going to start this review with a poet-activist who goes by the name of Propaganda, As we talked, he explained how important stories are in our lives and how important it is that we not let others commandeer our stories. We must tell them ourselves or someone else will tell them for us. Propaganda and his wife co-host the podcast series Hood Politics with Prop on the iHeart Media Network. It's recommended. And here he is reading If We Ain't Careful. This poem's called If We Ain't Careful. You know, if we ain't careful, Mars will be just another gold rush, another pre-Columbian America, scraping, raping, scratching, gouging, making up lines, then screaming mine into newly formed oxygen, tapping planetary veins in search of arrogance in the form of rocks, imaginary wealth. You know, the real actual millionaires of the gold rush we're the shovel salesman. I think we going about this all wrong. Mars. Finna be another East India trading co. Spilling Mars spice across the most pristine of spacescape until someone starts a war over stuff that used to just come out the ground. Because somebody used what come out the ground to buy the ground. You know what actually funded the Renaissance was the forests. The Atlantic Ocean. You wrong, mom. Money does grow on trees. Money are trees. We just ain't getting them because Europe killed them, chopping them down to build their churches, gentrifying our savers for me and you could get out the nigga quarters. Listen, I ain't salty. Hell, salt for sale too. Are we finna act like Standing Rock protesters are not absolutely correct? Lakota water sources stained in earth blood. History got bars. Rhyming like a mug. You know, if we not careful, our next friendship will be just another gold rush. People as soul food, utility, transactional, possessive. If we not careful, our marriages, just another gold rush. People as leisure, as pressure, as lust, and identity. It's been my finding that we are much better at crisis than we are wonder, warning. 
And I'm starting to wonder about that first part. But if the Visa ever got versed, it would body that beat if we not careful. Our own health. Maybe just another goal rush. You too busy taking advantage of you to even enjoy you. To realize your proverbial Fs to give are a fossil fuel, a non-renewable resource. Yes, there's enough of you to go around, but where is your code? Everything ain't for everybody. When's the last time you told something no when the bag was oh so yes? Why are there chunks of you floating around the farmers and the stock market? You couldn't bring your full self to a moment even if you tried, but I tell you what, I've learned the dirt always wins. Trees, when they are ready, split sidewalks, expanding their shoulder blades. Earth, as of Mars, the planet will be fine. But you need a break. We need each other. And though you don't owe us anything, we are just lucky to be in your orbit. Frisha McKee lives in a university town in Illinois but it's not as liberal as you might expect. Before that, she lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana. In her episode, we talked about social engagement in poetry, as well as hybrid forms. Her poem, Fetal Funeral, will give you an idea of what it's like to be a very liberal person living in a conservative environment. Okay, so I'll, I'll read a poem. I spent... Um eight months of the pandemic in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which was pretty different from any place I'd lived before. And this is one of the poems um, about that experience. It's called Fetal Funeral. Our neighbor on the corner a few blocks over has planted pray to end abortion signs in her front and backyards. I've never seen her, but armed with duct tape, I fantasize about defacement or replacement I want the final word. I want the signs to say, pray for more vasectomies or make an erasure poem employing letters selectively, rat arbor or two ebor. I have Sharpies. I fantasize about leaving my blue coat at home so she'd never know it was me if she saw me. I'd wear a mask so she could not see my face. In any case, none of our neighbors here know who we are. We moved mid-pandemic, and I've never stepped foot in any real Hoosier's house, except for a stranger from Craigslist who texted us the code to unlock, enter, and carry out a dresser she was giving away for free. We could have stolen her dog. We could have stolen her wall art about the fighting Irish. She'd left the house to pick up her son from school, an emergency, so the house was quiet and we stayed quiet as if we were in church. After eight months in isolation, I'd already forgotten that every home smells different, signature of the people who live there. I wonder if that house on the corner smells like rose bouquets, memorials for the fetuses its inhabitants mourn publicly in perpetuity. I feel unable to let go of my indignation about living in Indiana, home of fetal funerals and vigils for the unborn. And in my mind, this is also connected to Ryan White's bullies and the woman in the liquor store who laughed at me when I asked why she wasn't wearing a mask. 
If only I told the maskless woman she was ugly, pandemic or not, mask up. I seem unable to let go of my wish to harm. The woman pulled a polka dot mask out of her pocket to show me she remembered, but refused to put it on. We don't go to that liquor store anymore. Instead, the dog and I walk by the corner house where I begin my fantasies about tearing the yard sides down. At the base of a beautiful sycamore in the front, they've built a tiny fairy house. I laugh terribly when I think it's perfectly sized for fetal funerals, which have not been moved online, nor the vigils because they are performance. I feel forced to grieve my own losses privately. This has been my aching grievance. I'm glad that far away the signs look small. The leafless sycamore is taller than every house. Chun Yu from San Francisco talked about her heritage as a Chinese American and about the organization she co-founded with Michael War, Two Languages, One Community an organization that works to bring together the Chinese and American communities. She'll read her poem now in both English and Chinese. Whenever um, I, I go home, if I go out, my parents will check a map, even in the same city or just a few streets over where they live. They want to know where, where I um, was going. So that image really stayed with me and uh, I knew there was a poem there. So, yeah. and I, so I give you this poem both in English and Chinese. Beautiful. The map. When I was born, your bosom was the map. I occupied all of it in your cradling arms. When I began to walk, your eyes sight was a map. I learned my steps, toddling and waddling in your adoring gaze. When I started school, your mind became the map. I ventured out and back from morning to night in your unceasing care. When I grew up and left home, from hometown to other towns, home country to other countries, your heart became the map. I searched far and wide, high and low, for my direction and a place in the world, in your loving thoughts. Each time I set out for a journey. You asked for my destination, studied an open map, accurately locating the point of my being. Then one day, you picked up a magnifying glass, eyes moving closer and closer, hands trembling more and more. Finally, at a loss, no longer seeing clearly the lines and the points on the map, you hold me in your heart. Growing older and older, you can now only walk in my eyesight, fumbling steps, 
every trip outside an adventure. From now on, I will walk by your side, so you can lean on me when you are. We are when we are at a loss, not knowing where to go. Love is the map.、Hmm. Lovely. And you're going to read that in Chinese? Yes, I'll read I th- that in Chinese. As I mentioned to you, I folks, I, I actually think this is the best way to listen to a poem in a language you don't understand, <laughs> audio only, because then you really hear the sounds, and the accent, and the pronunciation, and it's just you let it wash over you. Yes. So we'll do、Thank、that. Thank you. I agree. Yeah.、Okay. So the map in Chinese.、Mm-hmm. 地图刚出生时，你的胸怀是一张地图，我是那地图的全部，在你的怀抱中。刚走路时，你的目光是一张地图，我在那地图中遥遥学步，在你的注视中。上学时。我走出了家门，你的脑海是一张地图，我在那地图中朝出暮归，在你的牵挂中。长大后，我离开了家，从故乡到外乡，从祖国到异国，你的心是一张地图，我。在那地图中摸索方向，寻找位置，在你的想念中。每当我开始一个旅程，你总会打开一张地图，询问我的去处，时时准确地找到我的所在。后来，你拿起了放大镜，眼睛离地图越来越近。手抖得越来越厉害，终于茫然中，你已经看不清地图上的点与线。我在你的心里，渐行渐慢。有一天，你只能在我的目光里蹒跚。每一次出行都是一场冒险。从此。我将把你搀扶在我的臂弯，当我们茫然、不知所向，爱是一张地图。Kalisa Ray has been studying poetry as protest for years, tracing current-day spoken word back to the griots of the past. Here she reads the title poem from her recently well-received book, "Ghost in the Black Girl's Throat." Um, the only background story that you need to know about this piece is I am not originally from the South, which is what the whole book is about. It's about me、uh, being a transplant from Gary, Indiana, to Wilmington, North Carolina, and then learning about the history of the 1898 race massacre that occurred in Wilmington, North Carolina, the first and only coup d'état, successful coup d'état.、Uh, and so, if you know anything about that, you gotta look it up. It's a part of our history: the killing of hundreds of black people, of、uh, an exterminating of them from that town. 
And so that was very traumatic. Imagine me as a 17, 18 year old learning about that, thinking I was going to go and have fun and party in college. And then I learn I'm feeling weird. And everybody keeps saying the town is haunted. And I ask them why. And they tell me this story. So mm. here's Ghost in a Black Girl's Throat. The South will birth a new kind of haunting in your Black girlness. Your Black womanness becomes a poached confection. Honeyed enigma pledging to be allegiant. The muddied silk robe waving in their amber grains of bigotry. Your skin a rhetorical question, blood-stained equation no one wants to answer. You will be the umber, tawny, terracotta tongue splattered on their American flag, beautiful brown spangled anthem. You will be the bended knee in the boot of their American dream and they will stitch your mouth the color of patriarchy. Call it black girl magic when you rip the seams. Southern Belle is just another way to say stayed in her place on the right side of the pedestal and your sun-kissed skin will get caught in a crosshair of questions like, where are you from? No, where are you really from? And you will get asked where are you from more than you are asked, how are you doing? Like this name, this tongue, this hair, ain't a tapestry of things they made you forget. The continent they forced to the back of your throat, cause that's what they will come for first the throat. They know that be your superpower, your furnace of rebellion. So they silence you before the coal burns, resurrect monuments of ghosts on your street to keep you from ever looking up. Build a liquor store on every corner so you don't notice the curated segregation, call it redistrict redistricting. Our cities muzzle the men with gallows for tongues, call it obedience school. Synthesize ghettos, graffiti them in gold, call it urban redevelopment. And the South will make bitch a sweet exaggeration of your name, sit, speak, come when spoken to. And the leash will always be taught, gripping around a word you never said, your body, an apparition, hologram of its former self, too much magic in one room turns, sorcery, witchcraft, and we be witches, don't we? Reassembling the chandelier of our reflection, we spin a web of shade and make it a place to rest under broad oak that it is, and they will suck the mucus from our jubilation, our gatherings now a cancer, but we clap back with shaking hands because that's all we got. These voices, these throats, this righteous indignation, and they will start with the muzzle, always taught to melt the metallic of our wills, always a rusted bit in the mouth of the horse, too stubborn to ever be spooked by their ghosts. Thank you. In 2021, the first ever Haudenosaunee Storytelling Festival in the Six Nations of Grand River up in Ontario, Canada, was held. The festival included poetry, so we were delighted to feature Janet Marie Rogers, one of the poets in charge. In Poetry Spoken Here, Episode 171, she reads Ego of a Nation for which an award-winning video was produced. You can see it on YouTube. Oh gosh, uh, the injustices, the Canadian court system, in particular, the acquittal of the, of the man who murdered Colton Bushy in 2016-2017. Uh, um, uh, young Colton Bushy was a young, you know, 22-year-old young man living on the prairies in, in Saskatchewan, and he was uh, shot dead. Uh, point blank by um, uh, his murderer, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but of course the Canadian, like when that happens and the Canadian court system says we acquit this murderer, then it's open season. 
on Native people. And we recognize just exactly, you know, the results of um, that that's going to be yeah. in the future. So what does what does one do with that frustration and and um, and uh, and sadness? Write it in a poem. So I'm going to share the poem with you if that's okay. Ego of a nation. Our blood is rich with rains, absorbed by territories, regenerated cycles come full circle. Our blood spills back premature with weapons of them who pay not their dues, but speak in untruths born without an ounce of remorse. Our guts turn gray, like the ashen skin of the murdered man slumped over the wheel of his vehicle upon lands once known as his, where he only wanted to go. His spirit now wanders upon barbed wire property and when his family calls him, come home, he makes them wait. He's been trying every door to escape. So he hangs around just a minute more and watches the great, great grandchildren of his younger brother being told, be careful around here. The murderer returns to his cup of coffee, to the rantings of his wife who said she was so scared. Her hero took care of it. But his red tinged skin tells on him this is illogical and he knows it, bred into him by his grandfather's racism taught as the gospel today. He does his ancestors proud, lives out the fantasy they so often talked about with their wives over coffee. They come from a place they do not connect the way we connect, but hold real estate papers and wave them in our face like victory flags, singing the tired taxpayers lament. It is a shotgun and a can of Coke. It is sleeping pills and 10 different ways to tell the same story in court. It is caskets and feasts for the dead. These are ancient feuds and justice has no jurisdiction over something so old before paper and ink, before memory loss and distrust. Juries are just citizens collected from corrals of wayward cattle themselves, exercise the ego of a nation without identity or foundation, spirit man will haunt them, maybe not today, but down the road where he is now free to go. Hmm. Ego of a Nation title poem from a book by the same title. And uh, made a, um, a book trailer and that book trailer uh, from that poem won best music video in the Native, uh, Native American um, Film, American Indian Film Festival uh, last year. So we were really, really, really surprised and pleased with that. Throughout 2021, our special project, Open Mic of the Year, continued, attracting poets from around the U.S. and the world. Patience Gumbo from Zimbabwe, who was a musical artist as well as a poet, contributed her poem, Thin Ice. My name is Lingiwe Patience Gumbo from Zimbabwe in Southern Africa. I am a musician, a poet, an author, a voiceover artist, and a stone sculptor. This is an original poem titled Thin Ice. I smile. I laugh, ha-ha. I make conversation. But what you don't know about me is I'm 
so overwhelmed with life right now. I hide behind the smile. No, I, I cannot show it all to you because I'm hurt in pain and I don't know what to do. Can anybody, somebody, somewhere hear me? Can you not see me? I'm walking on thin ice, thin ice, yet no one can see me. If you can read between the lines, then you will find me. Because I'm an expert now of hiding in plain sight. Yes, I'll encourage you to keep the faith and be strong. But I'm stuck between this rock and this hard place. See, I'm not supposed to spill out what is deep inside my heart. They expect me to be strong and give advice. So I'll keep smiling, keeping up appearances and keep calm. But it does get so cold and so lonely on this thin ice. How long shall I be so invisible? Slowly my soul fades away as I walk. Tell me how long shall I keep on pretending? While my heart keeps on breaking again and again and again. Can anybody, somebody, somewhere hear me? Can you not see me? I'm walking on thin ice, thin ice, thin ice, yet no one can see me. I'm walking on thin ice, thin ice, thin ice, yet no one can see me. I am walking on thin ice, thin ice, thin ice, yet no one can see me. Thank you. We also continued to post recordings from the Unamuno Author Festival. In one of those episodes, Sheila Maldonado read her poem, Temporary Statement. Her podcast episode includes some poems read in both English and Spanish. Temporary statement. I am not poignant. I am losing nuance. I beat you over the head. I am cliche. I am a caveman, cavewoman, a cave. I am not genteel or radical. I am pissed. I am not always specific. I am beat. I am losing steam. I leave image with image and word with word. I take too many pictures. I'm literal as fuck. I bully my way through a text. I barrel my way through. That Neanderthal thing again. I resist understanding. I understand because I resist. I've forgotten how to break a line. The line breaks me. I use I too much. I do get that the I on the page is still not me. I do get that. I don't know if you get that. <laughs> I don't know who I am in this time. I have lost a great love. I am suffering through a terrible leader. I don't know where to turn or who to be. 
I'm looking for my days to reacquire some rhythm. I can't be kind in the morning. I can't be kind. I am mourning. I miss touch. I miss conversations I had in the past. I miss the conversation I had with my past. It is leaving me. I don't mind erasing. I want to know who to address, though. We round out this review with physician poet David Watts from California. I greatly enjoyed talking with David about using the unconscious when writing poetry and about the therapeutic effects of poetry. Here he is reading a poem, Fragment at the Beginning of Something, which gives some idea of uh, how he uses the unconscious. There is a poem that I uh, wrote for my son. I was at a workshop at Squaw Valley and I was running out of ideas. I had reached that crisis point in the middle of the week where um, I was completely tapped out and I was sitting on a balcony and I remembered um, an event that had happened to me a week ago where a son of mine brought a stone to me and asked a question. And I don't know, probably you've had this experience, Charlie, but there was a flash that happened in my brain and a poem rushed at me headlong. And it came so fast and I knew it was gonna go away so fast that I had to really write it down quickly. It was coming, I'm quite sure, out of the unconscious. We've been talking about yeah. that because I had not done any work on this poem at all. And yet here it came. And uh, the poem was like this. I called it Fragment at the Beginning of Something. Fragment at the Beginning of Something. My son brings me a stone and asks which star it fell from. He is serious, and so I must be careful. Even though I know he will place it among those things that will leave him someday, and he will go on gathering. For this is one of those moments that turns suddenly towards you, opening as it turns. As if for an instant we paused on the edge of a heartbeat and then pressed forward, conscious of the fear that runs beside us and how lovely it is to be with each other in the long, resilient mornings. Hmm. Now that poem has not been edited and hasn't changed since it was written. There you have it. A review episode for 2021. If something that caught your fancy, I hope you'll go back and check out the episode in which it appears. All of our podcasts are available for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and other places where you may listen to podcasts. I'm Charlie Rossiter. This is Poetry Spoken Here. Be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Munley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, 
as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. 